Hi, we're Katie, Jessica, and Shannon, and this is Boy Problems Podcast, a community focused on supporting families navigating substance use disorder. We hope sharing our stories, introducing you to experts, and answering all the questions you have no one else to ask will help you better navigate your story. Through our partners' recoveries, we found each other and formed our own squad, one we know is so valuable to how we manage this disease in our relationships. So we started bringing a microphone to our hangouts to extend our conversations to others just like us. When you're here, you're not alone. If you're listening, you probably know we met at a family support group and our bonds have grown stronger through sharing our stories and supporting each other. When we think about the thing that's helped us most, it's that. So we'd like to extend that community to you. If you're feeling like no one understands what you're dealing with or you're looking for a community of like-minded individuals, consider joining us for our virtual support group. For details, visit recovering2.com. We know what you're going through, and we're here to help. We're recovering, too. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. We are glad to be back with another episode, and we're finishing up our mini-series. We've been taking turns sharing our relationship stories, um, overviewing the first time that we met our loved one, up until present day and all of the um, addiction and recovery experiences that have happened in between. So this is part two of Shannon's story. You can check out part one um, at episode 82. That covers the beginning of their relationship and the events that led to treatment in 2013. Today we pick up with everything else. So Let's get started. Yeah. And so Jay has quite a bit of sobriety time after he goes to Fairbanks, right? I mean, maybe there was a couple relapses, but I mean, overall, he has had a really good path with sobriety. Yeah. His, um, he first relapsed in like 2015. Like it was about, it was exactly like two years from when he went to Fairbanks the first time, which one thing that probably helped was that first year he was on house arrest. So that was a whole, that's a whole other thing that we could talk about sometime for our relationship of like being in a relationship with someone who's on house arrest. Um, so, but I they do think that probably helped in him staying sober in year one. And then he stayed sober for another year and then he relapsed um, with alcohol. And it was like one of those situations where I just, I felt like something was weird one night and I like questioned it and I was like, oh, not like, no, it's nothing. And then like, I just kept having kind of this feeling like something doesn't feel right. And like, I nagged at him long enough that then it came out like, yeah, the, the other day I like got a pint of whiskey and drank it and whatever. Um, so that happened. And then he kind of changed some things, like realized like some of the meetings he was going to, he didn't really feel very engaged with them. So he found some different ones. He like got a new sponsor because things with his sponsor had kind of gone to the wayside. Um, 
So we like made changes and then stayed sober like another year. And it was like three weeks before we were moving into our house that we bought that I found out that he had like used heroin again. And so that was the first time that like heroin came back into the picture. Um, that was a relatively short run of heroin use, like for Jay in his normal like times, I think it was like, ended up being about like a month or maybe two months of use that I didn't know about until I found out. Um, I don't know. And I feel like I don't really remember a lot of specifics about that time, maybe because it's been overshadowed by the re- more recent things. Yeah. Well, why don't, don't you jump that. into that? Yeah. Like the, why don't you jump into like the big run? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> which is documented beautifully in real time at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, true. that's true. I don't need to go into like detail on everything because there are full episodes on that. Um, well, I have a question before you do that. Yeah. Um, so you talked about like the way that you were thinking about your relationship and staying with this person prior to getting or around the time you went to Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. And now I, cause I remember this part, like you're about to move forward in your life with them, with him and you're purchasing a house and kind of making a bigger commitment and then heroin comes back in the picture and things are a little shaky again how did you decide then like okay this is still something I want to pursue even with that setback like what was your train of thought yeah um I do remember being really conflicted that that time because I was like well what do I do like do I move forward with this house and I did a lot of like thinking and calculating like, okay, can I afford this like on my own? And it would have been like close. I might've had to like get a roommate or something, but I remember I like struggled with that decision for a while. Like, is this the right decision to like still buy this house? Um, and actually like my name is the only name on the, the mortgage. Um, So it's like in my name. And so I ended up deciding like, yeah, you know, this is something that I'm excited about. Like, I want to like be a homeowner and move forward. I'm going to still do it. And if things don't work out with Jay and I, like, I will figure out how to make this work. Worst comes to worst. Like I have to sell it. I don't know. Um, Because we were like kind of in a rocky place on like, well, do we, do we move forward? We were going to counseling during this time. So there was like a lot of discussion around like our relationship and moving to the next, like, does it move forward and how does the relapse affect it? And I remember like identifying this pattern of like self-sabotage where it's like, okay, there seems to be like, you have a pattern, like even like going back to like other parts of his life, like when things are going well. Like, it's like this new uncharted territory. It doesn't feel familiar to him. Like he knows how to like dig himself out of a hole. He doesn't know how to like move forward when things are like calm and content and like to just be okay with that. Um, So I guess it was like one of those things where it's like, okay, we've identified this and now you're working on this aspect. So here's another chance to like 
make it, I don't know, to see if you can do better now. Like maybe that's the, maybe that's been like the missing puzzle piece. Like you've not worked on feelings around self-sabotage and like self-esteem and whatever. Um, so I guess part of the reason for staying at that point beyond the fact that we'd been together for six years. So there's a lot of, you know, time and energy and love and all of these things that have been invested into this relationship. Like I was very much a part of his family, him with mine. So it's like, yeah, we weren't married. We didn't have like kids or anything, but it's still, it was all, it always offended me so much when people would be like, well, just leave. Like you're just a girl, like it would be so easy. I'm like, well, it's not that easy. Sure. It's easy from like a legal standpoint, but like my emotions being tied into and like our life together are no less like valued or more difficult to work through than somebody who is married. Like, I'm like, I literally could count on my hands at that time. There were like three people that I knew that had been married, divorced and remarried in the time that like Jay and I had been together. And I'm like, so like overall, like we've had this like longer commitment and like built this like life together for six years. Like that means something. Um, so I think that that was part of it. Like I, I don't know. And I was probably what, how old would I have been at that time getting closer to 30. So there's like probably a little, a bit of fear in there of like starting over and mm -hmm. all of those things played into it. Um, I think, well, I don't know. It's hard to say because who knows what I would have done in the moment. I would like to think that when this stuff happened, if he was like, yeah, forget it. I'm not, I'm not going to try and change things. I don't actually want to be better. Like I, I just want to keep using drugs that that would have been like, okay, then this isn't possible. But the fact that it was like, he didn't want that to be his life. Like he didn't want to just be using heroin forever. And he was like actively working on recovery. I guess was part of the reason why I was like, okay, you're working on it. I'm willing to stay and work on it with you. Oh yeah, I think it's a good point. Okay, so sorry, I didn't mean to derail it. So then like that's your mentality at that point. A lot of good time goes by and then how long between that and the beginning of the podcast, which is kind of where things got worse before they got better, I guess. Yeah, so that was 2016. And then actually exactly about like two years later, <laughs> there's like a, a trend on two years. Um, he had like a one-time use of like crack cocaine, um, which I think in hindsight was sort of the beginning of things unraveling. Like it was sort of like, oh, I'm going to scratch this itch. And I think he thought like, okay, that's done. I put it away, but I don't think he actually like worked through like where, where did that come from deep down? Um, because then about six months later, um, was when I found out he had been like drinking and smoking weed, like for a couple of weeks and like, he didn't even like weed anymore. Um, and so that was a big like fight, like it stopped. And then 
six months later, so June of 2019 is when I found out that he was using heroin again and had been for a couple months. And that was when it, things really kind of blew up. And at this time, he goes out on a run, gone six months, I think in total, right at that time. Mm -hmm. And you, you're communicating with him kinda. Um, but then you get to, you get him to agree to go to Fairbanks and you're in the parking lot. And at this point you're nine years with him. Yeah. 10, maybe yeah. just call it 10. Nine, nine, nine. Yeah. Nine years. And he says, I'm not doing it. And you're like, are we breaking up? Like, I'm, I know I'm paraphrasing all of this. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. I'm done. So, uh, what were your feelings then? <laughs> I, I guess just like devastated. I don't know. I remember well, one, well, actually we were at Fairbanks and it was on a Wednesday. So I ended up going into the family support group right then and sharing with everybody that we had just broken up because basically he chose that over me. Um, so that, I don't know what that feeling is, but a lot, of, I guess, rejection or like the whole and betrayal, uh, I guess, I don't know, maybe betrayal overall, overall, like, I think there's always been a sense of betrayal for me of like the drugs and it being so secretive and stuff. Like it's, always makes me think of the drugs as like the mistress and just the, that. So I don't know, a lot of rejection, sadness. I mean, I was like devastated and then just also like fear because I was like, okay, he's probably going to die. Like that's the point that we're at. So, um, and then like the fear of like, ha how, will I even know if he died? Like, how, how many days will it take me to learn that he's died or something? Not crazy. That happened to me too. Um, there was a time when Casey was like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna do the drug thing. Like, I can't do this anymore. It's a weird thing." And then you're just kind of like waiting for a phone call or something. I was. Yeah. I kept checking like the jail um, inmate search. I would Every check inmate search and I would check for a while. I still had access to the bank account um, because that was something that we had set up in the like early days has like an accountability thing. Um, and so I would check just to see like if money was coming out, like I knew, okay, he's probably still, still alive. Um, mm -hmm. I'd also be like, oh, I guess he's using because there was a hundred dollars that came out. Um, but then at this point it was also getting to like where there was like zero money in his bank account, which in a weird way was a bit of a relief. Cause I'm like, okay, maybe this will force him to like need to get help because he's clearly running out of options. Um, but at some point shortly after that, he changed the password and like, I completely lost access to it, which was the best thing for me. Like I it was unhealthy for me to be like monitoring mm -hmm. that and like being still connected to the situation. So I was 
obviously pissed that he did that, but I was like, fuck. Um, and then I would also like check um, like on Facebook Messenger and things. Like it will tell you like this person was active one hour ago. And so I would use that as like a, okay, he's alive. There was activity an hour ago, but then it would like freak me out the times there would be like no activity in 24 hours. Um, and you know, that I would then spiral over like, what does that mean? So. So this is a lot like at this point, and this is, um, yeah, I don't know. So how are you taking care of yourself? Like, what are you doing? And like, how are you moving forward and maintaining your life? And kind of bring us back to how that ends up with you guys getting back together. And, you know, like, what are, what are you doing to stay sane? And then yeah. how does, how does this like end? Uh, I ran a lot and I did a lot of working out, um, which I'm in some some degree is healthy. I think that sometimes I may, it maybe have been in an unhealthy way, the, um, how much I was doing it as like a distraction. I've also like realized like that was something I could control. Like I could control like how many miles am I going to run? What is my pace? Like, so in a way where it felt like everything else in my life was like out of control, it was like, okay, I can control like working out. Um, so that we had started the podcast, which I think was super therapeutic. It was also helpful because it took up time. So like it gave us things to like, you know, things to do and uh, something for me to look forward to. And then just being able to like talk through everything that was happening, um, mm -hmm. was therapeutic. I, my family did know they knew everything that was happening and like my close friends. So I like really relied on them. I spent a lot of time with my parents that, um, that fall, which, you know, I'm grateful that I could do. And they're pretty fun actually. Like they go out and do more things than I do on a regular basis. But then it was also, there'd be the times when it would just like make me more sad where I'm like, here I am just like, all my friends are with their like husbands or significant others, or they're having babies and their life's moving forward. And I'm like spending another evening at my parents' house, like alone. So, and there'd be moments like that. Oh, there were a lot of those, like where I was, would keep myself distracted by like going out with friends, which was good. But then at some point in the mix, like it would all hit me that like, oh yeah, this is, this isn't the way I want it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know, like two, a little over like two months went by. Um, the first time I heard from Jay after when we like parted ways at Fairbanks was on Christmas Eve. And I got a text from him that said like, Merry Christmas. And we talked a little bit on the phone that night. And basically what I gathered was that he was still using, he was still like hiding it from the recovery house. Like he kept saying, like, I, I don't want to do this. I just don't know how to like, I don't know how to like tell on myself and stop it. And, and I was like, well, then nothing has really changed. And like, there's no point in us like talking, like, you know, call me if you're ready to get help. Um, 
And a couple of weeks later, like right after New Year's, there was a point where he had told me like, I I'm ready to get help. I can't keep doing this. And I was like, I'm happy to take you to Fairbanks. Like he's like, well, I just need to get, I need to pay somebody on Friday. But like, after I do that, we can go on Friday. And I was like, all right, well, text me. Like, I hope I hear from you, but I'm, I'm not going to like track you down. And I never heard from him. Um, so there was a few week period of that where I'd hear something like, Hey, I might, I, I think I'm ready to go. And I, there I'd let myself get hopeful, like, okay, maybe, maybe he's ready. And then I would hear nothing. Um, and then it was finally when we recorded the intervention podcast, like I hadn't talked to him for a couple of weeks at that point. Cause the last time that he like cried wolf, I was like, I'm, I'm done. We're not, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, but there had been some things that had come up with work and, and like personal things, like things where like the only person I wanted to share it with, like who I was like, oh, they like would get it was like Jay. And I kept stopping myself from reaching out. Like, nope, don't reach out to him. And something in the intervention episode was like, you know, and other things we like throw a life vest out to them. Like how come like addiction is, you know, one of the areas where we just cut people off. And I was like, I I didn't say that probably correctly, but it was this sentiment where I was like, you know what, I'm going to just reach out one more time and know that way I can know that I have like tried. Um, and he asked if I would like meet him for dinner and basically it all came out that he had no money. He was about to get kicked out of the halfway house. He was at risk of losing his job because he had been found at work like high and they sent him to get a drug test and like all of the walls were like closing in on him and his lies were you know he couldn't keep track of the lies and all of that and so um he was like yeah I'm ready to go I'm like well I've heard that before so we'll see but then he called the next morning and said that he told the halfway house he had packed his bags and he was ready like if I would take him to Fairbanks. And so I did. And yeah, that happened. So, and he's been on a pet and he's been clean ever since then, which is wonderful. Yep. Yeah. I, I guess one important factor because, so we like started, you know, talking again during that time and, um, it was, we were kind of like talking regularly, but I wasn't really sure like, okay, are we going to actually pursue this as a relationship? It was sort of like one, I was one foot in one foot out. Then the pandemic happened and that kind of sped everything up and the halfway house was closing. He needed a place to go. Like at that point we had been talking about, yeah, maybe, maybe at some point you could move back in. Like, I think we were thinking after like six months, um, but then the pandemic happened and it was sort of like, well, I guess you can just move in now and we'll see how it goes. And then I had to tell people that he was moving in. I was petrified about that. <laughs> like literally nauseous. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean. Yeah. And so now it's been um two and a half years, a little over two and a half years, which I mean, to be honest, makes me slightly 
nervous. This is it's new territory. This is the longest that he's been clean. So, but when I get nervous, I have to remind myself of all the things that he does differently now that he didn't do before and hope that that, you know, helps. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, that's a lot. Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys have been together for a long, long time. And so, I mean, maybe to wrap I'm it up storyteller. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe to wrap it up, Shannon, I mean, you've been together for 12 years. How, how are you? I mean, you're choosing to move forward. You love this man and, and, and all those things. And he's a great guy. I mean, he truly is. Um, you know, and I, I think that you both want to, you know, keep moving forward with one another. Like, how do you keep choosing to stay now? Um, I think it goes back to the things that I said earlier about like seeing him, like he's choosing recovery and he's like working on himself and like the growth that I've seen from him is like huge. And I don't know, like maybe, maybe I'm like a sucker for this or, or whatever, but there's like a part of me where it's like knowing how much like he's overcome and like the amount of work that it takes to like turn your life around and like be a better person is like really admirable to me. Mm -hmm. And like, there are a lot of times now where I feel like he is like healthier than me in like his communication and the way that he like processes things or like apologizes and like, I don't know. So like, I guess that's part of it is that it's like, I admire what he's done and I'm proud of him. And like, we still love each other and love being together and hanging out and doing all of, you know, the things that we do, even if it's just laying on the couch, watching TV, like those are some of my favorite times. Um, So I guess that's why good an- I don't good answer I don't, I don't know if it's not a wrong answer yeah, yeah. right yeah <laughs> I think it's helpful one of the reasons I kept asking you that I think it's helpful like for people listening in like that to a story that is it has so much in it and I think one of the things and maybe this is top of mind because of a conversation we had earlier but one of the things that's so hard for people to understand is like why are you doing this like why are you still there and um yeah so I just think it's interesting to share that like it's not all doom and gloom and that there can be progress and you know those types of things yeah well and I think we've talked about this before where it's like all of the things we're rehashing right now are the like terrible times Mm -hmm. and um but if I look at over the course of our whole relationship and even like the course of like Jay's recovery journey, um, you know, it's like 90% of it has been like positive, like mm-hmm. has felt good. It's just 
that 10%, maybe, maybe it's 15% now after the, that was a long run that that probably added into the, <laughs> the equation. Um, it's just those things that have been bad have been like really, really bad. Um, and I think though that part of it is you have to accept like you're making the choice to stay and accepting that this is a disease and that like kind of separating the the actions and the things that happened when they were in active use and in the like act addict self you have to like separate that or think of it differently from who they are when they are not using and when they're in recovery and so it's like otherwise it would really it would be hard to like move past that ever if you're always thinking of them in the like in their worst version of themselves which is unfair like i don't want people thinking about me in my like worst version like right so mm-hmm. yeah makes sense cool well, awesome. Well, uh, everyone, thank you for listening. Show Shannon and Jay some love. Uh, comment, like, review, send it out to people you know, and uh, keep coming back. Thanks for spending time with us. We hope this story has helped you better navigate yours. Don't forget to subscribe so we can meet you here next time. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the love by rating or reviewing. Need more support? Join our online community by visiting us at boyproblemspod.com. Whatever you do, keep coming back. We're not licensed professionals. We're here to share our lived experience. So take what resonates and leave what doesn't.